Welcome to In The Jar, where friendly face ain't far, and I sit your ass on down. Let's have a cigar. Jar jams for this week. A lot of big coaching changes in the NFL, but the biggest hiring, in my opinion, was that of Jim Harbaugh to the Los Angeles Chargers. <clears throat> Harbaugh was a guy who played in the league for a long time, played for the Chargers, and obviously just won the national title at Michigan. He's a guy that pledged he would never go back to the league after he was picked. I, th I can't remember. I think it was Kevin O'Connell getting hired over Harbaugh by the Vikings. And I believe when that occurred, Harbaugh said that he would never pursue an NFL coaching job again. Obviously, his brother John's got the Ravens in the AFC championship today. And the Harbaugh's have a decorated history of coaching in the league. Now, Harbaugh had a 44 and 19 record, one tie with the 49ers from 2011 to 2014. So, winning percentage is at about 695 in the NFL. Um, so, this article says here the only coaches with at least four years of experience and a higher winning percentage are Guy Chamberlain and John Madden. Oh, and then we got Vince Lombardi and George Allen. But it says here Harbaugh's teams in San Francisco ranked in the top 10 in scoring defense all four seasons, and the top three were from 2011 to 2013. The 49ers averaged 17 points a game allowed over those four seasons. Um, so I think the reason this hiring happened, I think the reason that Harbaugh agreed to come on board with the Chargers above any other team in the league is that the Chargers hired, sorry, fired their uh, GM back in December, Tom Telesco. So Harbaugh comes in without there being an acting GM in the organization and I remember reading an article stating that during Harbaugh's time with the 49ers that he started to have disagreements with their GM at the time, Trent Balk. I hope I'm saying that right. Trent Balk or Balky. Um, and so, you know, Harbaugh is going to get a chance to possibly make some personnel decisions. And we've talked about that, I believe, on episode one, where that was a big disagreement topic between Mike Vrabel and the GM that they had at the time over at the Titans. Um, so all of this is connected, right? We see that with only two coaching vacancies left in the league, the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commanders, that Mike Vrabel and Bill Balichek are still free agents on the coaching market. So a big topic of discussion is how much power can a head coach um, ask for 
in regards to personnel decisions when they come in. I think this was the main thing with Jim Harbaugh, and that transitions us into our next topic, which is that the Atlanta Falcons have hired um, Los Angeles Rams coordinator. Um, I believe he's the OC. Um, you know, y'all can crucify me if I'm wrong. I believe he's the OC or was OC for the Rams. Um, and he was hired by the Falcons over Balachek, who had apparently completed multiple interviews with the Falcons. They had taken him out to dinner and they decided to go in a different direction. So this article says here that um, even with Balachek and Vrabel still on the market, um, Morris was one of four coaches who had scored interviews with the club, excuse me, second had second interviews with the club. The others were Balachek, Texans OC, Bobby Slowick, and Carolina Panthers, DC. I can't even say that. A hero Evero. Um, so the Falcons are the only team Balachek is known to have interviewed with. So this really begs the question: will Balachek get a coaching job? There are a lot of people saying that Bill Belichick would be a hell of an analyst. In fact, I saw a post today that said, um, I think it was idealizing a Nick Saban, Bill Belichick podcast. Um, so Raheem Morris being hired by the Falcons is actually interesting because he did serve as an interim coach for Atlanta from – um, I believe in 2020 for 11 games in which he went four and seven. Um, I think familiarity is a factor here. I really do. Um, for Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons. And it's been made apparent that Morris will report to Blank, the owner, instead of their CEO, Rich McKay. Shout out Samford University. Um, so that'll be interesting to see, man. I don't know. I think given the coaching options on the market, why would you pass up a guy like Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel? I, you know, familiarity is the only thing that comes into question for me here. You know, Morris won a Super Bowl over the Cincinnati Bengals. In 22, I believe. I should know the year of that game um, off the top of my head. But um, people are starting to wonder why is Belichick being passed on? Okay. So this article states that the Cowboys job never opened. The Chargers vacancy was never on the table, right? They offered Harbaugh and they didn't care about anyone else. They went and got that man. Understandably so. And the Atlanta Falcons chose to go a different direction. So now with only two head coaching jobs remaining across the league, like we mentioned, the commanders and the Seahawks, it's looking more feasible than ever that the 2024 hiring cycle could leave Bill Belichick behind. So this is a part of the article that I really like. The reasons, time and power, 
Belichick has a short supply of one and continues to seek an abundance of the other. Right, so we go back to coaching versus personnel. How hard it is in the NFL to have decision power in both for a head coach, right? Everybody asks, why why did Nick Saban never pursue coaching in the NFL again after he got the job at Bama? Well, it's because at Bama, Saban has control over the paint on the walls, what time the guys are working out, and more than anything, who they were recruiting and who they were bringing on to their squad every year. The head coach in the NFL doesn't always have that power, especially if they're still coming up, right? And then you also see on the other end of the spectrum where Balachek has so many like he, he's his his accomplishments are so decorated that he expects the highest degree of power and some organizations don't want to give that to him they want to protect that they want to make sure that maybe that's diversified a little bit so speaking of coaches that are coming up the Tennessee Titans this week hired Brian Callahan, who was my Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator and has helped lead that offense for the past couple of years um, through all the success that they've had. Um, so this article here says that head coach Brian Callahan is taking on a pair of new roles with Tennessee Titans in 2024. So the explanation behind that is that Callahan never called the plays for the Bengals. Zach Taylor was calling those plays. And an article came out yesterday saying that Zach Taylor was planning to give Callahan play calling duties in 2024 had he stayed with the Bengals. So, the deal here is that not only is Callahan going to have to take on head coach responsibilities, right? Day-to-day management, making sure the culture is what it needs to be, corralling the guys when necessary. He's also going to have to call the plays. And the way the Titans are looking, they're not going to get Derrick Henry back. You've got a young quarterback in Levis who I think played – some games at a very high level for a rookie. I really do. I will never I, – I never have um, trusted Ryan Tannehill to be the guy. And I think most people in Nashville would echo that sentiment. So, you know – I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, This article says here on top of his head coaching duties that require him to oversee every facet of the team. Callahan will also be the offensive play caller. Callahan didn't call the plays with the Bengals, although he did have a lot of input both in game planning and during games. So that's just basically a nice way of saying he hasn't been the play caller yet. 
When asked about having to balance all of his new responsibilities, Callahan expressed confidence that it won't be an issue. As far as my role, I'm going to take it every day as it comes. And I'm going to learn a lot as we go. Yeah. So that's basically a nice way of saying we're in for a fucking rebuild, dude. That's how I'm hearing that. Um, I don't think the expectation for the Titans is going to be high, um, at least not in the next season. Um, so, you know, he says that he's incredibly confident in his ability to do that, and uh, he left it at that. So what does this mean for the Bengals? Well, for the Bengals, they did not hesitate in making an in-house hire for their new offensive coordinator, Dan Pitcher, who I think was the quarterback's coach um, for them. So he's already got a good relationship with Burrow. He already understands what the standard is, what the expectation is for the offense. And Burrow, uh, I believe this was from back during the season, had very high praise for him. Yeah, I would say that. And I think that's why we mesh so well in the meeting room and on the sideline. We have a great working relationship. And, you know, really, I say this all the time, but I couldn't ask for, for a better group of coaches for, for my skill set and for what I do. So you think about um, a regular workplace and the value of having somebody fill a vacant role that's already been there. Um, I really like this hire, you know, um, I think it's the right thing. I think any business, especially football should be relationship based. And so it sounds like Burrow has a great relationship with him and obviously has an understanding of what the Bengals are trying to do offensively. So I'm biased, but I'm hoping the Bengals don't skip a beat and, um, you know, Hopefully we can franchise tag T or, or whatever we got to do there. Um, so, you know, I know Sauce Gardner was tweeting that he wanted the Jets to go out and get T and Calvin Ridley. I sure as fuck hope that the Bengals smarten up with that. And I, I think they will. Um, and at least tag him until they can get a decent market value for him. Because the thing about T. Higgins is you're going to have to pay him, right? And growing up a Cincinnati sports fan, I've observed that Cincinnati teams, right, small market, are notoriously a bit cheap in, in paying guys. So I hope they smarten up. They got a lot of guys they're going to have to pay in the next couple of years. They've already paid Joe. They're going to have to pay Jamar. They're definitely, I mean, the running back market's a little fucked, but they'll probably have to pay Mixon a good chunk of change. And, hey, man, I mean, if they can find a way with the salary cap to keep that squad together, um, my inner child will be very happy. So there was plenty of interest in pitcher from around the league. The Patriots, Raiders, and Saints had meetings scheduled with him, but the Bengals got it done. So that's the jar jams for the week. A lot going on, obviously, as team seasons are ending. Um, but we got some good juice coming up this week, too. 
the Chiefs beat the Bills last week. Bills kicker Tyler Bass um, swung it wide right, which is a a term that's apparently familiar with Bills Mafia. And um, the Chiefs move on to the next round against the Ravens. Um, I saw a ridiculous clip this week. I, I I just think Tony Romo lets his intrusive thoughts win. Um, and I saw this clip on Twitter this week. This is pretty good. There are 70,000 plus who are screaming against him. Well, that's how many fans I play in front of normally at my house. Pretend like they're all there, but there's zero. <laughs> he said, he said, there's zero. <laughs> um, that was a subpar rendition, but, um, yeah, dude, like Tony Romo just says shit on there on CBS and his football knowledge is so good. And they've already paid him. The network's already paid him. But his football now is so good. But he always just said it's it's a minimum with Tony Romo on a Tony Romo broadcast on CBS. It's minimum one weird statement per game. One weird statement per game. So I uh, saw this from this week as well. Um it's referring to what they're calling the Josh Allen curse. Okay. So every single round of the playoffs from 2019 to this year, the AFC team that beat Josh Allen in the bills in the playoffs lost the next week. Okay. So the chiefs are four and a half point dogs to the Ravens this weekend. Today, that game is happening. Um, and I'm really torn on that line because I love hating on the Chiefs, but four and a half is a lot, especially the way they're playing. Um, so in 2019, Texans lose divisional to Chiefs. Okay, that's after that's after they beat uh, Josh Allen, and then the Chiefs lose the Super Bowl to the Bucks. That was a year with that crazy AFC Championship game. Um. 21, the Chiefs lose AFC Championship to the Bengals. Fuck yeah. That's Money Mac. Remember that play. Um, and then 2022, Bengals lose the AFC Championship to the Chiefs. That pissed me off. So we'll see. We'll get some picks here uh, at the end of the show. But that's definitely something to look out for. I think personally that's rat poison. And I don't want the Chiefs to win. I want my buddy Big Mike Pierce to become the second consecutive year-to-year Sanford Bulldog playing in the Super Bowl. But we'll see, man. Um, I still don't really know what my pick for that game is going to be at the end of the show. Um, so this will um, continue our segment, Kidding. Okay, and you're kidding right here. Former LSU wide receiver allegedly made 8,900 bets while he was in school at LSU. Okay, it says 
Kayshawn Boutte arrested on charges of computer fraud and underage gambling in connection with online gambling account that made almost 9,000 bets in 2022 to 2023. Apparently, this man bet on himself. He bet his receiving yard overs. He uh, And he lost a few of them. He was, I think, six bets in total of those 8,900 were made on LSU while he was playing there. Okay. This is going viral as shit on Twitter this week. And this guy is currently on the Patriots. So, you know, I guess the elite, like, you know, the number one, there's, there's repercussions from you know, the organizations you're playing for, he's no longer with LSU, so they can't really discipline him. Um, And I haven't seen any word of him being cut by the Patriots. Again, y'all can crucify me if that's happened, and I haven't seen that. But um, apparently an active Patriot, a New England Patriot. And um, But I guess the problem here is that it, it actually becomes a legal issue that he was gambling illegally, Right. I guess sports, I don't think sports betting is legal in Louisiana. Again, crucify me if I'm wrong about that. Um, so I guess the fact that it's illegal might have implications on um, him being with the Patriots. And even if it was legal, um, you know, what are the implications of that? You know, I, I just don't know. Um, so, yeah, that's a viral moment of the week. Um, definitely a, a you're kidding. Uh, and speaking of viral moments from the week, uh, Colt and I, my camera, my camera dude, were talking about this beforehand. But Mark Norman, that's a, a stand up comedian, was doing a show in uh, at a New York comedy club, very intimate gathering. And uh, some weird shit happened. We got the video here. Okay. All right. Uh-oh. Oh, jeez. Hey, Howard. What do we got? A mic right here? Hey, what's going on? Oh, jeez. Everything all right? Just want to make sure everybody's good here. What's going on? Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Hey. Anything can happen at a comedy show. I wish you could see this, dude. Some kind of weird sex party thing. Oh, God. Somebody got tased. Oh, boy. Oh, wait. Whoa. I really froze there. I went Mitch Dude, so listen to this chick when she comes up here, dude, and tries to. Guys, everything's fine. Listen to her. We just had a momentary interruption. Just stay, get up, get out the. The taping. She's in the jar, bro. Yeah, I'm one of the producers of the show. Um, yeah, we just need everybody to get out, please. Uh, <laughs> Dude, and this is pandemonium. It's just a small gathering. So that shit was weird, man. So I did my research, um, and the comedy club posted a story on Instagram. We'll put it on the screen. Um, it says regarding last night. So nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Like I checked all of the threads, all of the clips. I even searched it in Twitter to see if I could find something found nothing. 
it looked like Mark Norman was like tweeting as normal uh, the morning after, like talking about his breakfast or some shit. And then um, the the comedy club posted this on their story. It says, regarding last night, we received a handful of inquiries regarding a viral clip of our club being evacuated last night. First and foremost, nobody was harmed or injured. The disruption was part of a filming by at high underscore high underscore the producers that rented out our venue for the night. So since this took on a bit of a wild narrative, if you are in attendance for this taping, we'd love to host you for an actual show for free. Please email us. So like, do they think people are dumb or something, dude? Like, okay, first of all, let's, let's unpack this. Let's unpack this. Okay. First of all, what in the shit is at high underscore high underscore? I I should have looked that page up um, to see if it's even legit. But um, yeah, dude, I think it was, I th- I think it was probably like a bomb threat or something that someone called in or like threatened some type of like violence. Um, like, dude, you fucking. That chick was so frazzled, dude. I'm going to run this again and see if I can just scrub to the clip of her. Like, look at this girl, dude. She's so in the jar. We just had a momentary interruption. Um, uh, just stay, get up, get out the taping um can't talk dude she was so jarred up so it's like uh, unless they hired some hollywood actor to go up there and do that like come on dude it's what's the new york comedy club you're not fooling anybody you're kidding all right let's let's figure it out here okay because it doesn't fucking add up Right. I don't know who the she, her ass motherfucker was that drafted up this goddamn story, but it's, you know, people want to know. Okay. Oh, if, if there was a bomb threat that went off at your comedy club, you got to let the public know that. I know it'll hurt business for a minute, but come on now. We're not dumb. You're kidding. Next clip. Oh, shit, dude. This one's fun. Really controlled his Says I'm convinced the Hornets announcer does a line before each game. Some frequent flyer miles. Nick Batum. Yeah, I would have got high too. Yeah. Getting ready for the final shot of the third quarter. It's Kemba. What? You really need to be locked in. Oh my! Are you kidding? Bridges! <laughs> Gordon Hayward, one man to beat. Punches oh. it on top of Fox. That's stupid approved right there, dude. Fuck, I'm gonna run that back. Oh yeah! Yeah! Really controlled his second unit off season long. I mean, it did tie the game, but it's like... Oh, some frequent flyer miles! 
Dude, my goal in life is to love my job as much as this guy. Hmm? Yeah, I'd get hyped too. Kemba Walker. Oh! Rips it down! Oh! Getting ready for the final shot of the third quarter. It's Kemba. Fire it yeah. <laughs> oh! Dude, I love that shit. It's fire. It really should have gone in the last segment, but yeah, we just kind of. We didn't do it on the show, man. We let it flow and talk about shit. You know? So. I had a lot of basketball clips uh, come up on my feed this week, so I caught this one too. This this is dupe approved for show, dude. Five seconds on the clock. Five. Why is De'Aaron Fox doubling Giannis? Get out and ready to guard Damian Lillard, the inbounder. You're doubling Giannis here. You're saying I'm going to have no chance of guarding Damian Lillard. Look at this. No chance. Hand off. You're not going to be ready to guard. No. What is Sabonis doing? There's three seconds on the clock. <laughs> I feel it, Get up and help. Up and help. Up and up. What are you playing back for? Dude, I feel it, dude. That was crazy. Yeah, dude. I mean, I don't really always care about NBA, to be honest. But growing up as a kid, man, in Kentucky, I loved basketball. Um, I was a huge basketball fan back even to the days where like uh, Ray Allen was pulling on the Spurs to um, go ahead in the NBA Finals, like those days, dude, the NBA was fire. But now you're seeing all these guys uh, scoring seventy points. Like I think two or three guys have gone for like more than seventy points the last couple nights. I thought about covering uh, Luka Doncic going for seventy three points against the Hawks the other night, but I mean, golly, dude. It, you know, I just I don't know if these guys are showing up to play defense. I don't know, man. It seems like they're kind of just showing up to score points and and uh, and get stats. And I mean, listen, I know y'all. I know the the players. They got contract bonuses, right? For you know, getting X amount of points or the awards they win. So I get it, and it's it's by nature a more individualized sport. Um, but for that reason, man, I just like to watch teams work. You know, uh, I like to, uh, you know, going back to Harbaugh and them, like he, it's not just going to be on Justin Herbert. You know, it's not just going to be um, on any one player. It can be that way in basketball, in, in football, you know, and hockey too. Like it's got to, it's got to be all the guys, eh, maybe hockey, you know, you can have a couple good players and put a good season together, but you know, uh, this guy running definitely dupe approved. Next clip. Had a lot of really good players but maybe. Oh, thank you. What's that? I said thank you. You are. Thank you. Maybe not viewed though as the superstars like maybe the Forty Niners. All right, never mind. But I think guys like Chirpy. Yep, Sam Brown was first team All Pro. So. Right, right. That's a good player. Sorry, continue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, again, you know, I think America's rooting for one uh, particular Super Bowl, uh, and that's the Ravers, Ravens versus the Lions. So, you know, being a San Francisco 49ers hater, I really want to believe that Detroit is um, going to win this game. Uh, they got great players. 
And you guys will get my pick for this later uh, at the end of the show. But, I mean, shit, man. These reporters are out here saying they don't got the star power. We'll see, man. Uh, we'll see. And and um, that'll lead me into the next clip here. I thought Debo was going to be out. Samuel, the receiver for the 49ers, receiver running back hybrid, really, was going to be out for the 49ers. But it looks like he's listed as questionable for today's game um and he had this to say leading up physically as you do but still trying to protect yourself i ain't protecting nothing <laughs> i ain't protecting nothing so you know I, listen i love to hate on the niners but every time debo's talk shit he's backed it up man you know, he talked shit on my boy a couple weeks ago, and he had a good game. And um, and and I think there's been one other instance where he was talking big before a game and, and you know, showed out. So I think he plays. Obviously, this clip doesn't make that hard to derive. Um, seven and a half points for, I mean, Vegas probably, I would think, uh, is, is pricing in the fact that he will play um, for the game today. And um, and we'll see where it goes, man. I'm I'm really excited. I'm honestly nervous to speak on that game because I just don't know how it's going to go. I I haven't seen the Niners look explosive. Not they haven't been bad. Obviously, they've gotten to where they've gotten, but I haven't noted that they were particularly explosive either. All right, last segment of the show. That's fire. Okay. Philip Rivers' son, Gunner, named a high school freshman All-American. He totaled 3,000 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, and averaged 279 yards a game as a ninth grader. Okay, I'd like to know how many picks he threw or if they conveniently left that out. But we've got some game film, and um, this kid throws exactly like his dad. Look at the drop back. Look at the really – oh, my God, dude. He throws exactly like his dad. Bang. That kind of T-Rex. Like, but it gets out, dude. It's effective as shit. And I feel like it's hard for a pass rusher to get up and block that ball if you want, if you can't make the play on the sack. I mean. Dot, dude. Kid's good, man. He'll. I, I mean, I think he'll definitely be a pro. So that'll be cool to see. I mean, what will that be? Like minimum four years of high school, at least two years of college, like six to eight years. But, you know, something to watch out for, Gunner Rivers. And this man, Philip, has eight to ten children. I think it's going up as we speak. Um, so that's fire. Kid's going to be good. Um, next deal. Former Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz is signing with the Lions. This happened this week. And somebody said that boy about to run off the plug, run off on the plug with a ring. Um, so let's hope that the the Lions can do that for him. City of Detroit. We talked about him last week, man. Um, I'd love to see that city get a championship. But it's confirmed Ertz will not play in the game today so um we'll see man um if they advance see if he'll play in the super bowl that's pretty nice man fucking sign on with a team play one game and it's super bowl so um that was notable this week what else do we got
Oh yeah, dude. This clip of this this guy's whipping this big ass rig, dude. Must be icy. I think. Oh, he hit something. Damn, I didn't. See, fuck, dude. He tore the shit out of that car. I didn't see that shit when I first watched this. Holy fuck! I mean, he fit in. <laughs> he fit into that spot perfectly. Let's see again. Oh, he smashed that shit, dude. That's an awful sound, man. I got rear-ended a couple months ago, and it sounded like that. Holy shist, dude. Icy as hell. Dude, I get paranoid driving. I, I've never driven one of those, and I don't... Uh, a, a rig that size, I don't think I ever want to. You know what I'm saying? That's ridiculous ridiculous imagine going to i see guys driving semis taking left turns all the time and uh and their shit's like right it's a one-way street you know see it in tennessee places like that one-way street and uh and the guy's just like barely missing the curb it's impressive um but can't imagine the fear in that man driving that rig what's the next thing oh okay here we go so this will wrap the show up extra point okay picks for today's championship round games we mentioned it earlier the kansas city chiefs at the baltimore ravens baltimore is a four and a half point favorite the kansas city chiefs money line is plus 176 and the over under total is 44 and a half points i'm going to take the over in this game and i'm also going to take the chiefs to cover Sad day. Very sad day. Um, I think that's all I've got for that game. And then the next game up today in the late window is the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers. Seven and a half point spread. The Lions are paying plus 290 on the money line. And the over-under total is set at 51 and a half i'm gonna take the under in this game and i'm also gonna say detroit plus seven and a half this is not financial advice these are purely hypothetical picks but i believe my record my running record in the nfl is uh one and three so we'll see if we can lift that record up love y'all like and comment what you think and we'll see y'all next week on in the jar